Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Roper Report podcast, where everything is absolutely horrendous, so horrendous that as a means of emergency, we have had to form an emergency coalition of Sunderland fan media outlets. So today, we not only have the Roker Report representing the Roker Report, but we also have Love Supreme, Wise Men Say, and SCFC Fan TV. But more to that in a second. What you need to know, if you've been under a rock, um, if you've had the merciful ignorance of not watching Sunderlanders of recently, um, uh, the depression has deepened on Weir side as we have lost yet again our seventh defeat in 11 games to Burton Albion because you know that's such a classic fixture that we love to lose these days and yeah everything's just uh, pretty horrendous so let's kick off this podcast in association with Vaux Brewery I am first of all joined by Martin from Love Supreme how you doing? I'm all right thanks a little bit hungover <laughs> but given recent things would you see just about okay relatively I'm, speaking? I'm okay yeah football aside I'm okay thanks. Fair enough I'm also joined by Chris Weatherspoon from Wise Men Say how you doing Chris? Uh, I'm good. I am not hungover, which uh, was not what I was expecting to say this one. So. No, 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 no. I suppose if there's no Sunderland game on the Saturday, though, there's there's not much of an incentive to get to a point where you're hungover. Yeah, I mean, I had quite a pleasant night. Went, went out for a nice meal, didn't think about football at all. So, Absolutely. Uh, more, more like this, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if only that was every weekend, given how things are going. And I'm also joined by Sean Middleton from SCFC Fan TV. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good, yeah, thanks. Fresh. Fresh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, well, a surprise for a Sunday night, but I'm actually okay. Eh? Was, incidentally, I'm also feeling quite all right this morning as far as not being hungover goes, so that's uh, that's 3-1, Martin. You know, I'm, le- I'm letting down the side. Yeah, on, uh... so it's like a mini case study, this. Like, how many people in the room are hungover when Sunderland haven't played? <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much pretty much where we are. So uh, let's just get straight into the, to the review of the Burton game and we'll go in chronological order of how uh, the week's gone, I suppose. So, you know, we played Burge, McLaughlin, Willis, Lynch, Hume, Power, Ledbitter, what? more or nine McGeady and Grigg with the subs being Maguire and Benji obviously we lost 2-1 it was a pretty horrendous game but rather than me whittle on about it let's go straight to our guests we'll start with you Sean what do you make of the game it was uh, really poor I think it was just come to the conclusion now that um, I mean I've said it for a while I said about Jack Ross he wasn't good enough but then you've got to look at the players now um, the players were absolutely gutless on mm-hmm. Tuesday night absolutely pathetic We've changed managers. Parkinson's come in. Has anything has anything changed? Not really. Well, I would argue yes for the worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's stuck with the same formation. I mean, I don't know what you think on the the four two three one, but it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was expecting a manager to come in um, and change things around. I mean, just just change the formation and get you know the players. Just, just, they've they've got to look at themselves in the mirror and see you know it's just not good enough mm-hmm. and it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Why I mean? exactly do you think it didn't work, Sean? The lineup against uh, Burton. <laughs> I think our midfield's too slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our defence, I mean, isn't too bad now. Lynch and Willis, Glutton <laughs> hasn't, hasn't, hasn't had a great start, like, but just our midfield, Ledbet is too slow, and there's no like quick movements. I mean, January kind of come quick enough, to be fair. I mean, people say, well, why are you starting with Ledbet um, and Power? But who have you got to replace them? I mean, I watched um, McGeer the other night on um, on YouTube when he scored a wonder goal for Air Celtic when he was 18. I'm thinking, why is he not playing? Can he not, can he not like make a difference in that team? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He's looking more and more like one of those what-if players, isn't he? The ones mm. who who uh, are brought in with a lot of reputation but then just don't get a shot. I mean, we've had loads of those, obviously. It just seems to me like when we play lately, when the other team get a goal, we'll just, we'll just fold. 
And then it's just like they're looking at each other and saying, what do we, what do, we do? I'm thinking, he's a professional mm. footballer, so he's need to like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wear the shirt with pride. It's quite an alarming sort of reminder of where we've been in recent times with the likes of Moyes and Grayson and Coleman. Mm-hmm. We're, we're starting to see that sort of toxicity seep back in, which is quite yeah. a concern. What do you make of it, Chris, the, the, the whole scenario in and around Sunderland at the moment? Yeah, I, th- I think one of the more concerning things from Tuesday and like a few recent games was that anytime something particularly positive happens, we don't seem to actually build on that. So like, Obviously, we beat Tranmere 5-0 in Parkinson's second game and everyone was like, oh, well, like they've let the shackles off. Like We never saw this under Jack Ross. Like We wouldn't have won that game 5-0, which I actually agreed with at the time. But the problem was, after that, they went down to Shrewsbury. They got beaten. To be fair, down at Shrewsbury, they were unlucky. Mm. But it just it just seems like like Tuesday night was like those two minutes were like a microcosm of it because we basically went 1-0 up, concede immediately. And I actually thought the first 10, 15 minutes, I thought it looked quite decent on Tuesday night. Certainly a lot better than we had against Coventry at the weekend. But then just all sort of kind of positivity and, um, I don't know, confidence just seems to flow out of them. And, like, what's really frustrating as well, I thought was, you know, like, second half, I thought, despite the fact it was turgid, the fans actually got behind them and the... People were singing in the second half. People were roaring them on. There was there was a spell where we looked like we were going to build on it. They went and scored, and that was it. And we just completely collapsed. And for me, look, I don't, like... <laughs> I understood why they got rid of Ross. I'm not one of these who ever really kind of... It, it takes a lot for me to turn around and see a manager like needs to go or whatever. But to me, when you watch them, they look like... The, they, they look like... If, if you didn't know how many games Parkinson had had, you would think he's like in his second season or something and the players have stopped playing mm. because there's just there doesn't appear to be anything there it's like like I say Shrewsbury played quite well we were unlucky he hit, hit the woodwork three or four times was it I, mm-hmm. I can't remember yeah, three times, yeah. That that's <clears throat> not what it's been for the last month and the wheels have come off like really really quickly and it, it is concerning and I, look I don't think it's just the manager I think there's a lot deeper issues but people keep I know you said there Sean like January can't come quick enough but you've got to earn it you've got to earn yeah. the right to mm-hmm. spend money in January yep. and I don't know that this manager's done that. and This is it. I mean, is it going to be too late by January? Because then exactly. half is... And like also, how many how many times have we signed players right at the start of the window? It's like once the window's open, then it like, you know, when does it close? It drags on, doesn't it? And then <clears throat> it's the 1st of December today. Realistically, when will we complete the signings? Probably in almost two months' time, yeah. you know? And the thing as well is, like everybody in football says, the worst time to sign people is January. Mm. Because... Clubs, if if clubs don't need to get rid of someone, they're not going to get. I know it's amplified like in the Premier League and that because there's a lot more money in play. But if clubs don't need to get rid of someone, they're not going to do it. Yeah, you can only really. And who wants to come to League One? Who's like, but who's exactly, decent, that's yeah. the problem. And also, exactly. like, if we were, if we were in a decent position to go for it, like we were under, like, say, Keane, then players will think, oh well, I'll drop down a league for like mm-hmm. six months and I'll be playing black. You know, at a higher level, yeah. the following yeah. season. Whereas coming to Sunderland, well, obviously we don't know what position we're going to be in, but no, it's not at the minute. It's mathematically we're not that far off, but at the same time, if you ignore the league and just see how mm. they're playing, and if they're, just, they're just not, yeah. they're just not playing well. I mean, I, I was kind of thinking with all these Parkinson stats, I was, I was, I was trying to sort of tell myself that we weren't actually as bad as as as, as what we are. Like, are there so many of them were cup games and. You could, you know, if you want to make excuses for him, you could say, well, the Wickham game, he'd been there like less than 48 hours. The Shrewsbury yeah. game, like Chris pointed out, should have won any other day. The chances that we had, obviously, Tranmere 5-0. And then there was all the cup games and I was thinking, well, I don't want to watch Sunderland lose ever, although obviously I've done it all my life. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, I, w- I wouldn't be that bothered if we were out of all the cups. And then we are. But then I thought the, the real test is going to come against Coventry and Burton two like functional um league one teams who know exactly how to how to mix it up and also like good on the counter attack yeah um and i thought well obviously we need six from those two games and then after we drew the first one it was like it's going to be four hopefully and then one is just it's just it's just a disaster so obviously everyone's saying well if this was your money to spend you know if you if you were in charge of the football club would you would you employ Phil Parkinson to spend it? And has he done anything so far to give you any confidence? You know, I think it's got to be a categorical no, just based on how things have gone. Sadly, what I look at as well, and I think it comes back to what Chris said, it's a very interesting point. Is that you you do have to justify getting to January? I mean, I know the bloke, and like he was a 
it, it, it wasn't even that long ago he was appointed. But if we're saying already at this point, oh yeah, but he needs to wait till January, mm. what you're effectively doing there is already resigning this first half of his tenure to as a failure, yeah, exactly. as an excuse that you need that he needs to compensate if, for. And if this is his system that he plays. You could argue that you haven't got the players to play it, mm -hmm. yeah. But then, so why play it? You why? know what I mean? Why, why yeah. not? Why not yeah. play but another the, system? You the know, the thing is as well, why hire? Like, if if the idea is that we know what what this group of players can do, don't hire a manager. Like everyone knows what sort of football. Like I, I heard a Bolton fan described as a like meat and potato football, which I think is a pretty good um, in a meat and potato <laughs> league. It's probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's exactly. Probably what you need if you've got it, the players. It, it probably would be is, different if we had like we you could go like, oh well, if Gooch and and, and White were fit, not that like the world beaters, it would probably fit into the system more, but I think you should have just changed it for those two games because we have got players who can hold onto the ball, mm -hmm. you know, which we showed under Ross, but like now it's just get it forward to someone with no energy and like no and no pace, what lose I've, the ball. What I thought was interesting was like Wickham, he came in, put very much put his stamp on it. It was mm. just every time we got the ball, it was just bump, bump, bump. It was awful. And they were better at it than us, unsurprisingly. Against Tranmere, and I know Tranmere were terrible, but we did actually move the ball quickly, got the ball wide, you know, there was a bit of movement in that. Since then, there's been, like, very little of that, and it's kind of like, I think, Sean, I think you hit the nail on the head about the midfield. Like, I remember in the summer when George Honeyman went, and a lot of people were quite happy about it, but mm -hmm. one of the concerns I had was, well, do we, are we going to have anybody who's got a bit of energy? Because mm -hmm. at the minute, you've got Power and Ledbetter there, and, I mean, I don't know why, but half the time it seems like Power's playing even deeper than Ledbetter, and... I think we can all probably agree Ledbetter's legs no, aren't his strongest point. Yeah. Oh, I think that's the thing with McGeek yeah. as well. It's like in this system, there's probably no point in playing Ledbetter or McGeek because they're kind of like ball retention players where, you know, like moving the ball around, which worked under Ross. But obviously by the time we got the ball into the final third, everybody... That all their players were back behind yeah. the ball. But it was the same on, on Tuesday night. I thought there was times when I was watching, I was thinking, just don't like hoof it, but like move the ball quickly, like let's like mm. get up and you you watch it every time. Like by the time we got the ball over the halfway line, they've got ten men behind the ball, and you're like, it's just it's so painfully slow. Just side to, to side us. all the time. Yeah. Mm. Went, the, we haven't got like a player open in the middle that like run run at defenders or and and. and with that killer pass we haven't got that player like, at, at the minute I, I don't know whether I don't know whether Dobson was meant to be that guy but for me he well so far mm -hmm. he's been hit and miss but look mm -hmm. he, what is he 21, 22 and he's... like I just think I think well, you've alluded to them aren't like we've got a lot of midfielders who are basically exactly the same would you all, would you all agree obviously that Jack Ross his time was up you think it was the right decision getting rid of Jack Ross it, well at the time it seemed very I much did, so like, yeah. I, I, did, I did at the time but I mean I mean, with the managers, what was linked? Phil Parkinson wasn't even on my on my shortlist, like. But no. obviously, you've got to give the bloke a chance. But I think looking I th at it now, do you think he's mm -hmm. well? At the time, it was if I remember correctly, you had Stendhal and Ainsworth in the frame, and I would have taken either of those over Parkinson. Definitely. And in 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 hindsight, now that's obviously no different. That that opinion I've got. No, I think the the concern is look like they got like. Um, haven't been down at Lincoln a couple of days before they got rid of Ross. Like that, that was well. That was the worst I'd ever seen. It might have been mm -hmm. in the last month, but I think, I, look, I liked him, and I was probably one of the last ones to see he should go. But I think it it was becoming obvious that it wasn't working. The problem for the I thought the timing of it was very interesting. Like four hours before a game, they got rid of him, um, and then. Like we were told that they got rid of him because like the underlying performance data or whatever wasn't wasn't good enough, right? Okay, fair enough. To me though, if that's the case, that you don't, you're not making that decision on the back of one game, which you shouldn't anyway. But to me, it took them nine days to get Parkinson, and it took them nine days to seemingly decide that Parkinson was the right man for the job. Now, if they decided that, that's fair enough. But first of all, he was out of contract, so. Could if we knew that it, the way it was going with Ross, why weren't we talking to him before then? Why weren't we getting him in? Everybody said, "Oh well, if you sack him before the the international weekend, he gets a bit Parkinson gets a bit of a grace period. He can come in, he can put his stamp on things properly." But as you said there before, Martin, he only got forty eight hours before a game against a team that was second in the league. Mm -hmm. And to me, um, look, I, I don't know if we're going to go onto this. If we're going to see about is it already times up for Phil Parkinson but the problem I have with it is do we have any trust that the guy that they go get in now is going to be the right guy like I say that it's always the half. problem isn't it you mm -hmm. know I think I think like the, you know that obviously they could have sacked Ross in the summer 
because um, his remit was to get us promoted yep. and he didn't Ross could have also left him the summer he was offered jobs in Scotland mm-hmm. um, he thought about leaving but he's admitted you know, hasn't he yeah, yeah exactly he around, his yeah. dad talked him out of it you know <clears throat> and in hindsight we should have just sacked him in the summer and <laughs> then have more time because Ross took the piss out of pre-season basically all the players came back in decent shape because it was like the shortest pre-season in the club's history 69 days mm-hmm. so he decided only to have four pre-season games but then also changed the system with players who couldn't understand the system so we started off the season already on a back foot everyone was yeah. everyone yeah. was already on a downer from mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the end of last season yeah. and, and mm-hmm. exhausted spent four games but, didn't he trialing a system that no one could understand yeah. but obviously yeah. we've, we've kind of gone we've well. gone through all that now haven't we so it's just a matter of and i think i think the time that it took to appoint the new manager in a way wasn't excusable but at the same time they had to interview everybody and talk to everybody to decide the right man for the job instead of instead of like rush into it which and obviously then they did i'm not saying that parkinson was the was the first choice but but yeah like everything's pretty much just gone wrong for him since and he he seems to need us to have like a charlie white type player who to be fair against wickham didn't really fit into that system that well anyway because he's i don't think he's that great um but for his system to work and it's all right for him now to say, "Well, I need all these players in, in the like in the transfer window." But you know, how long before the transfer window did he did he come into the job? You know, he he, he needs to be coping better with the with the here and now. And and then obviously in the meantime, people are starting talking about giving him the sack, which probably before the Coventry and Burton games to me was 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 stupid. <clears throat> but those were the games he really had to like turn it round in and he's he's failed basically so it's yeah I agree with what Martin was saying though. I mean that was my philosophy I think in the summer when we got beat of Charlton in the playoffs I think it was a good point there where the owners could look at the season it was a failure um, they could get rid of Jack Ross then and then it would have had more time in getting the, the, the new manager in and then he could have you know looked at the squad see what we need to improve on but we stuck with Ross and I think that was that's where the problem lies, I think, sticking with Ross and it's just like he's brought the players in. Yeah, as as, as the recruitment being good, no, not really. But it's just a you know you got a lot of the owners as well. I think you know they've got a lot of the sales and think well, you stuck with Josh, uh, Jack Ross and the you know it's went wrong. They've bought Partinson. It was Partinson the right choice. If they got rid of Jack Ross at the end of the season, they might have getting a better manager then. Do you know what I mean? And it seems to be stem from there for me there's there's a lot of sort of uncertainty around ins and outs uh, transfer windows of summer the one in January there's a lot of questions that we've asked there I think that call into question a lot of interesting points but that's probably a very good time to segue into the listeners questions we'll start with those so we'll throw the first one at the panel here from Luke O'Brien who says as it's likely we'll need to improve players to move players on before bringing new players in who would you try and offload in January and why so we'll go to you Martin for that one to start with Obviously, it's tempting to get rid of them all at the minute, but uh, it's a difficult one because people complain about Catamol and Honeyman last year and Matthews, and but then without them, are we a weaker team? I don't know if we actually need to to offload that many players because we've because we've adjusted the the wage bill like so massively. Even though we're still paying Catamol and Oviedo's wages, they're not actually on the wage bill anymore. So I don't really know how many we need to get rid of. I mean. It would be sensible to try and get rid of Will Grigg, although you wouldn't get any money from. But then, how many strike, how many failing strikers do you need at a club in in one go? And like, also he doesn't fit into that system. And then Will Grigg might go somewhere else and do slightly better on loan. Mm-hmm. We can bring somebody else in. McLaughlin, you could say, has been a failure, but then he's been played in loads of different positions, in loads of different systems, and never been given the chance to to shine or settle. But I do think we need to sign a right back just so Lugo Nine plays further up the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think I think we should have like in this system and in this league, we should have like a, a sort of an all-action, energetic midfield. And at the minute, the three players you'd probably play there if we're not going to sign anybody else would be like Dobson or Nine and Power, just to kind of get round the bit, you know, like the best we can because obviously like Ledbetter and McGeek don't do that but I, so I think he's going to spend a lot of money up front well a lot of money no one spends a lot of money in this league I think he's going to look to strengthen up front and also at right back so I guess what about the wing what about on the wings do we have do you think adequate wingers at the moment no we lack, we lack pierce in our team like massively for me mm. physicality as well but I think like, like you see a pierce we haven't 
we haven't really got. I mean, Gooch is out there a minute, but I mean, I'm not a big fan of Gooch. But to be honest, I mean, when he comes back, I think it'll be actually better for us. Do you know what I mean? McGeady's not the same player as he was last season. I don't know if it's because of the injury. He doesn't work in this system either, does nah, he? And like, doesn't like matter, he's on no. a downer. No. And ever since he That's signed that saying. new contract, he seems no, to have like. Uh, but his legs are good as well, aren't they? Well, yeah. And he slows the game down. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think yeah. a decent forward with Gooch and Watmore would actually work in the system he wants to play, but he, he, need, he needs more cover. You know? Yeah. Um, I'd argue as well that. The worst position to have an aging player in is on the wing because mm. that is a position yeah, no. where your physicality is probably your strongest asset. Yeah. In this league where perhaps technique is quite rare at like at like McGeady's standard, but pace and power is a plenty because you know mm. it's 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 quite it's it's a much easier thing to develop. In in, in that kind of standard, if, if we've got McGeady who's aging, his legs are getting you know he's getting older, he's getting slower, like mm. like Sean says, mm-hmm. then he is gonna he's, he's gonna basically be a lead bitter on the wing. He's gonna just yeah. slow the game no, down yeah, when he needs point. to speed it up. Good I think the fitness is a big issue as well because although the likes of Maguire and, and McGeady are struggling to get through games, I mean at the minute, if everyone was was fit, I would just have them as impact subs. But I think there's a few people need to lose a bit of weight in the team as well. Um, and I think and I think Maguire and, and McGeady would be playing better if they were, if they were fitter, you mm-hmm. know. And you only need to look at when McNulty came back from from injury, he was out of shape. Um, so I think the introduction of the fitness is the, to the fitness as the, bringing a fitness coach in, like Sam Allardyce did. Hopefully, we should see we should reap some rewards of that as the season goes on. Because when we're pushing for a result in the last ten minutes, and we we need to turn that draw into a win or that mm-hmm. one goal deficit into a draw. We don't look like we've got the energy. No. The, the other teams yeah. look like stronger and right. and fitter and and quicker than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. We, I think we do honestly have an issue of players who at the moment either seem to be too old or have too much weight on. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just I just don't think that we have. I, I think we are, we're, we're a long way off having the most having capable athletes to get promoted because mm-hmm. I just think I'll, I, you, you do look at them and you think. Yeah. These lads, these lads don't look like they're in, the, they're in prime condition for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. The issue last season and for a few seasons before was that players were too short. But yeah. I, I would take yeah. I would take Honeyman and and Gooch's sort of like yeah. engine over what we have currently. Definitely, yeah. so that goes back to the previous point. Like, have we sold players to improve? Absolutely not. You know, I think I think we we'll miss Honeyman massively. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've I've always sort of banged I, the drum. For I never him, thought but, I'd see yeah. that, but I agree with you, now. I think Reese James. I think there was nothing particularly wrong with him. I think mm-hmm. he was all right. You know, mm-hmm. I think I'd have, had, I'd have had him and Hume. Uh, same as we sell four fullbacks. Reese James, um, Adam Matthews' contract was up. Mm-hmm. Um, Oviedo, mm-hmm. and who was the other one? Uh, Donald Love. And you, you, you get rid of four, and then you bring in, like. you bring in. Um, who's the two we brought in again? McLaughlin. And you bring two, so you yeah, you let four go, and you bring two in just right. just to bring the wage bill down. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like. The owners they're bringing the wage bill down, but then they're forgetting about the the thing that matters the most is the the football the, the team on that on the mm. football pitch. The actual you know ability I mean? of the footballers you're right. bringing in as well, because I mean, I, I, I haven't really seen much about Debock to to be particularly Injury? optimistic about. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing. What matters? I mean, um, Debock, um, not either being injured. I mean, mm-hmm. we brought them in on loan. They're just. They're Mm-hmm. You know, what's the point in bringing players in if they're going to be injured for the for the season? You know what I mean? You need well, players who's going to make a difference. This, and this is the big problem, though, isn't it? Like as much as like um, we can say, yeah, let's look forward to January, let's get it sorted. Then this current recruitment regime has had three transfer windows, and we've got worse after each one. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, like, mm-hmm. but whether whether they somehow strike lucky this January, I don't know. But I don't, I haven't seen anything to suggest that the changes have been made. To, to improve that like we, we know I couldn't agree we, more we know from what Ross has said from what certain journalists have said around the thing that it wasn't just Jack Ross signing footballers so if if that's the case it's probably not going to be just Phil Parkinson signing footballers and it's like mm-hmm. do we have I, look I don't want to know the ins and outs of everything but from the outside looking in the evidence so far is that the recruitment team isn't fit for purpose nice. like yeah. I mean we were, we got rid of you've hit a good point there and look Reese James wasn't an outstanding footballer or anything he probably he might not have even been on people's team sheets a lot of people might have said Denver Hume were getting before him but he was allowed to leave for whatever reason mm-hmm. and then we didn't get a replacement in until the very last day I think I think Ross funny. was like very much a fan of Hume but obviously had injuries last year but there was no backup for him but this I is think a, that, I think that's the point and whatever Rhys James was on it, couldn't have been well exactly that much obviously the, the other fullbacks Matthews wanted to go mm-hmm. Donald Love was 
obviously but a I, waste of time. But <laughs> I don't have a problem with getting rid of Matthews because Matthews is on far more money yeah, than he's like his performance is merited. Yeah, like I, I don't, think, I don't have a problem with that. It's mm. just it feels like our recruitment strategy a lot of the time, and this is not just under the current regime. This was before. It's whoever's available, like Debock, for example. You can't. Look, I could be wrong, but you can't tell me we'd watch many games of him playing football because he hasn't played that many in the last couple of years anyway. But, that one, didn't we? Yep. but when, a Le- when a Leeds fan's first response to the club's Twitter when we're signing is saying that's for 1973, you see you next Tuesday. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know you're not you know you're not really onto a winner. And like I just I think it's it's too easy for us to like go, okay, like maybe we might have a bit of money. Like Last last January we went and spent more money than the rest of the league combined, mm-hmm. and we got worse. Like it, it needs to be, we need to think about it a bit more. There needs to be a more joined up, joined up thinking. Now, look, I don't know. Maybe the the conversations have been had with Parkinson. He said, "I want this player, this player, this player," and we've said, "Yep, we'll go get him." Fine. I just, I just feel like waiting until January and oh sorry, pinning all our hopes on January. Mm. It's just kicking the can down the road again. Yeah. I think at the same time, it's like, even though we could say the squad's weaker than it was last year or less functional or whatever, I just think that there's obviously something wrong in the dressing room, you yeah. know, like lack of leadership, lack of motivation. Well, Ledbit has uh, come know, out and said it, basically. Yeah, exactly. It? You know, and like, I mean, I remember, I like I like Grant Ledbetter, but I think appointing him captain was a mistake because he wasn't going to be playing every week because, yeah, because of his age. And he's not that vocal, you know. He's a, he's he's a quiet lad. What he actually does say when you see it written down is like spot on. But he's not the type of person who's going to like motivate people mm. in the dressing room by like shouting on and bowling. And obviously, all the players that are here have probably been sold the club. Like we're gonna, you know, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna get back out of this league, and we're gonna go. And then it's not working. So they're <clears throat> so they're not. Well, they're not working basically. Yeah. You know, we're not getting the most out mm. of the players. Yeah. So whoever we sign, I think the squad is probably is good enough to be in the top six comfortably. I'm not saying it's, it's the best. It's certainly better than what we're seeing. Yeah, exactly. It's but but it's like all over the club, you know, like last year when, this time last year when there was more of a buzz around the place, people were performing better because it's easier to do that. It is, it's, you know, it's difficult when things aren't going well, but I think a lot of the players need to like stand up and be counted and sort of yeah. say, to them, you know, say to themselves, well, I am a professional footballer more than capable of playing at this level. So, like why am I performing so yeah. badly? I think that's I think that's a fair point. And I think like look, I'm I'll never um excuse footballers like not playing for the manager or whatever, but it does under under Ross there was to my knowledge anyway, there was never really a tale of like division in the dressing room. And like I know, for example, McGeady, who we know in his first season here, did not get on well with the manager at all. Mm. Really didn't get on well with Chris Coleman. Mm-hmm. Now McGeady actually turned around when he signed a new contract or extended his contract and pointed at Jack Ross as one of the reasons why I was doing that. So you do wonder like the nature of how, how Ross was let go. Has that had some sort of impact? And now that that's not excusing them because at the end of the day, the footballers, they should play for whoever the boss is. But if that's created a bit of turmoil and then Parkinson mm. themselves, not a strong enough character. And again, I don't know the bloke, so yeah, I'm not going to say if, they if he's feel... not a strong enough character, then like that, that just causes more trouble. I mean, like, like like we said, Ledbetter was it was it the Scunthorpe game or the Gillingham game? I can't remember which one. It was one of the midweek cup games where he basically he wasn't he wasn't even particularly asked about like division or anything. He just said we need Scunthorpe. He just came out and said, look, people need to be pulling together, and immediately that sets that sets alarm bells. It's a very really troubling like, statement for anyone to make at the club. That yeah. and yeah. it's and it and it and it it plays into what we were saying earlier about like kind of everyone's heads dropping mm-hmm. pretty easily. Because you you get this. I mean, look, I, I imagine we've all seen what like Max Power came out and said during the week in his interview. And I know we used to take the mick out of like rallying calls and stuff, but that was actually that was quite passionate from him. And look, I thought he was poor on Tuesday night, but when you watched him, he was visibly annoyed at like his mm. teammates, mm-hmm. and he was trying to. And look, he's not the best footballer in the world, but it, he clearly cares. And now you worry that if he's having to do that. Then why 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 is it that we've gone from a team like what you said there before that last season everybody was in it together everybody was up yeah. for it why what's changed why why I think it's Catamol to be honest with you even though he wasn't really doing it on the pitch like physically you know you only have to look at the fact that he was telling everybody to slow the game down mm-hmm. six minutes into the playoff final to so he could conserve his own energy but 
he's run that dressing room really yeah. for the last 10 yes, years yeah. and even though Honeyman was captain last year because they were expecting Catamol to go in the summer and they wanted to make a statement and everything it was Catamol who was running who was running the dressing room you know when I when I went to do in to do interviews it was Catamol who was like ticking us off or like asking us stuff yeah um because he's an older guy he was like more vocal but now you've lost like Honeyman and Catamol and I think it's actually had more impact in the dressing room and obviously like Grant Ledbetter alluded to like you always have little you always have little divisions where you'll have a little cliques and stuff. Yeah. But now I feel as though those cliques are kind of like too divided where obviously we're speculating, but I'd imagine <clears throat> you know, the sort of the the sort of McGeady Maguire sort of like Scottish clique, you know, if you feel as if somebody else isn't doing their job then you know, it's like any job, you know, if you think someone isn't good enough, you bitch about that other person. If you think the new <laughs> boss isn't as good uh, as the last boss, yeah, yeah. then you're not going to perform as well for him, you know, whether, a... whether you work in a corner shop mm -hmm. or whether you work for some football club. You get that, club, yeah, you know? in, in any professional it's, institution, it's, you get that. It's but... obviously happening mm -hmm. now, isn't it? Because they're not performing. I mean, they weren't performing great under Jack Ross, um, but they're obviously worse do, now. Do you, think, but do, you, do you think he's lost the... And I tell you, he's only been here a few, a few uh, couple of months, but do you think he's lost the dressing room already at yeah, Partington? I, I don't know. I, well, it... It would appear, it would appear, looking at the results, that he's he's not motivating the players to the mm -hmm. best of their ability. I think I think they need to kind of like all get together, and I don't know whether they have, but like have a big sort of like, uh, like a, a big sounding off meeting yeah. with the owners, with the management. Everyone sit down behind closed doors, and everyone get their their grievances out mm -hmm. and move on, or look for a new manager. You know, that something needs to happen. I always see yeah. it on football. Um, I don't just think, but a, a good manager and get the best out of. A crap bunch of players. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. A good, you know. Will I regard their Ainsworth? Mm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. the thing. Like they're top of the yeah. league now, and then at the time we were like, "Well, is he going to be going to be good enough for us? <clears throat> Have they got a better squad than us? Or are they overachieving?" Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Like at the start of this season, I wasn't one of the, partially because I don't know enough about other League One teams, but I wasn't one of these who thought that we had a team that was definitely a shoe in for like automatic promotion. Um, and I still, I think. I think if you look at the team on paper, you can see that because like, you've got a lot of people who have played in the league above or who've got promoted from this league or whatever else. The The problem I think that we have is, and we've touched on it, is like we've got a lot of players who are much of a muchness who don't have any real pace in the team, mm -hmm. which like you, you, like you look at Oxford. Oxford have got that, that Fossu guy yeah, who they signed yeah. from Charlton. Like, it makes me wonder why weren't we in for people like him? Because he, <laughs> he's been excellent. And he was around last season. He was mm -hmm. at Charlton. He, he left yeah. there, so should hopefully have known about him. So I think to me, it's a mix of, I don't think the squad's as good as what a lot of people originally thought, but having said that, it's better than what we've seen in the last month. And it's certainly better mm -hmm. than, I mean, Parkinson said himself on Tuesday night, and this is a pretty like startling admission from a manager. He said, after that second goal, we'll stop playing. Now that's never acceptable. And that's why, like, I know people argue about whether fans are behind the club or whatever and that. Most of the time, in the games, fans are behind the behind the club. It's very rare that you hear what you heard on Tuesday night, where you heard four sides of the ground booing mm. mid-game. And the only reason they did that is because you can see that the players had stopped. Right. And people, yeah. people accept a lot of rubbish. People have accepted an awful lot of rubbish. We all know over the last few years, we've all seen it. But people won't accept when they think people just aren't trying. Try now. There's nothing and, worse, I think, when you're watching. Like, um, I, you know what? If, if I was to watch a team of 11 players who were utterly... And we've done it before. Like, as Sunderland fans, we've seen it in seasons when we've... I uh, was, like, one of, like... The season when we went down with, like, 15 points. Was it 15 or was it... Nick McCarthy, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. like, I, I, like, we've seen seasons... <laughs> Where we've seen eleven players who were utter toilet in the division they're in, but the grafting, and you think, you know what, lads, this is awful to watch. Mm. But as people, I can't begrudge what I'm seeing, and, and obviously you don't enjoy. You hate going. You hate watching teams lose week in week out if they're not very good. But there is nothing worse than watching a team that's not even trying because it's just undignified. It's like mm -hmm. at that point, it's like if if, the, if those lads have been employed by the club and they're grafting, if they're grafting for the sake of grafting to to, to try and do the best they can for the team. I, I can I can be annoyed at how bad the game is, but I can't begrudge them as individuals for it. But as soon as you hear that players that the that they've quote unquote stopped playing, stopped, yeah. what that tells me is that you've just given up. Uh, and you know, and like fans don't come all that way in their numbers just to watch a team give up. Like it's mm -hmm. just under 
in no other profession is that acceptable. Yeah. You know, like in any other profession, it's a sackable offence to just give up doing your job. Mm-hmm. So why should it, why should it be tolerated as like as like a symptom of like of like something bad happening in football? There's the same that. players who make out that they're a symptom are actually the cause. That's but, the issue. But, but, the th- but they need to be motivated. They need yeah. to have yes, confidence and like like sort of the difference between like winning and drawing or like losing and drawing is like often that extra little bit. Mm-hmm. You know that extra ten percent, that fifteen percent that comes with like having confidence in the manager, having confidence in yourself, and and like obviously, the minute the more it goes on, the hard the the, the hard I'm um, you know people keep saying oh it must be hard to play in front of these fans. That's like no excuse at all because there should be it's a lot of like, exactly it's, like it's the, a total the, the, like they should be like well do you want to play for Akron and Stanley instead? Mm-hmm. Well, this but, is the thing. but mean, the point is that like for whatever reason they are they aren't given that extra. That extra little yeah. bit, you know, either because of the manager, because of the plan, because you know, because of because of their own confidence and motivation, and that needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that the club right now looks like it's drifting a lot, like it did two years ago, because I think from from top to bottom, there seems to be a kind of. I don't know, like a disengagement sort of thing, and like I think that's shown shown by the the players on the pitch. To um, turn on some of the performances that they have, I think. Look, like we used to, it used to become like a a, a sick joke. Like two years ago, when uh, the attendance used to get read out, and we all used to be like, "There's nowhere near that many here," because they had to count the season ticket holders. Yep. Tuesday mm. night, mm. in my opinion, was the same thing. The, mm-hmm. the attendance was twenty six thousand. I think you'd be lucky if there was twenty thousand in the ground. Yeah, yeah. oh, there's and, so many alarming parallels. Yeah. And what, I know it's yeah. I know it's a Tuesday night. I know it's freezing cold. It's a horrible night in that. But on the exact same evening a year ago, we played Barnsley, and we were three 0 up inside mm-hmm. thirty minutes, and if the, the ground was rocking. I know they came back and we won four two, and you could you could argue they were unlucky not to get a point because they really did come back to us and that, but the the difference between this year and last year is alarming and it it does it does stretch a lot further than just what's going on on the pitch as well like yeah. there, there are some serious problems there and look parkinson let, let's let's not be let's not be about the bush there were very few people who would pick him as their first choice but it's <coughs> it's still pretty alarming that it's gone this south this rapidly for he's, he's not even been in the job two months he, I think it was October the 15th so we've been here a month and a half and he's lost how many games have lost 7 lost from 12 so, lost, think, lost, oh, lost 10 out of 75 this bloke's lost <coughs> 7 in a month and a half and I, now as much as he didn't particularly inspire people he's he's also you would you would have thought he's also not that bad a manager for it to be entirely his fault so I think like I say, I, I feel like the club's drifting again, and somebody needs to get a hold of it. Do you, mm-hmm. do you think it was a case of with um, Partinson? It was maybe the last choice manager. That, I think he was Ian, the cheapest choice. Uh, Ainsworth, Stendhal. I mean, them, them mm-hmm. were. You know. Well, Ainsworth at the time would have required a, a sum of money nice, to coax him away from from Wickham, whereas I think Stendhal would have just asked for more than uh, what Partinson would ask for because Stendhal would know it was worth a lot more. I think. But I think, I think that there was what, other, yeah. to be honest with you, I think there was other reasons that. There's no evidence that like Parkinson was the cheap choice, and and obviously they give him a longer contract, and they probably would have wanted. I think with Stendhalers there was the feeling that he'd just been sacked, so there was like a sort of negative vibe, and there was already enough mm. negativity, uh, and yeah. he was he'd, he'd also been constantly working for a long time without a break. So even though he he was one of the choices with Ainsworth, I think the problem was he hadn't managed. Or, you know, like, I think there's seven employees at Wickham so to come from, even though they're now top of the league, so it, it looks a bit, you know. But then obviously Jack Ross is doing well in Scotland, so you're like, yeah. you know, you can always, you can always do that. You know what I mean? It's the, it's a funny one. It's I, the I, beautiful ex-girlfriend thing, isn't it? You know, when she starts looking <laughs> hot again. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I, but I think I think those reasons, for whatever reason, you know, they've, they've employed Parkinson. He's, his record isn't actually that bad in terms of getting teams mm-hmm. out of this league mm-hmm. and and being successful at this level but obviously we don't want to be at this level but we have to yeah. accept that we are but i think i think the other re- i think the other managers i think the, they just thought Ainsworth would would struggle to run the club as is and if things didn't go well and then with Stendhal there was a lot of negativity and a, and a lot of but but then he could use that to sort of bounce back and prove improve bonds I was going to say i think you know, right I could, if that if that was the logic behind not getting Stendhal, like I can I can see it, 
But to me, then you wouldn't go anywhere near Phil Parkinson after the what he's just had to go through. Exactly. Well, I, I was going to say, uh, like, uh, like, if, if, yeah, if, yeah, if Stendhal is unappealing, he did have a break, didn't he? He did have a break, but like, to me, I but like, if Stendhal's unappealing because he'd just been sacked, then what would that make Phil Parkinson being in Don't get me wrong, Stendhal was my first choice. Phil Parkinson. I thought Barnsley were like solid last year. No, they were. They were great. Phil Parkinson. The thing is, Phil Parkinson has gone through like absolute hell there. Like they didn't, they didn't get paid for I don't know how many months out of this year they didn't get paid and like. That that's an awful, awful situation to be in, because especially down here, because people think, oh well, like the footballers are getting paid a foot, like down here they don't, no. like people got mortgages to pay and that, and he he was the one having to deal with all that. So, I think, look, if if that was the logic behind not getting Stendhal, in, fair enough, but I I find it odd that they would then go and get Parkinson. Yeah, I think like the, a concern for me is I do feel like we've seen it in the recruitment side of things, and. I would argue we've now seen it a bit with Parkinson is it's kind of like a almost like a football manager approach like what have they done like what what have they done before it doesn't really look at like the circumstances like so when we signed Grigg for example I watched his goals last week because I was like what are, like what has changed here mm. the vast majority of Will Griggs goals for Wigan was like one touch in the box and that mm. now we don't play Too a style stuff, of football yeah. like get it and also they always had a lot of people around him in the box so it wasn't like so I, I remember on Tuesday night against Burton ball came in the box for Grigg and there's four men around him because we didn't have anybody up there it's taking them away from four, two, three, one, nice. so you yep. watch Wigan's goals all you have to do is watch the highlights on YouTube they've got people bombing into the mm. box Max Powers is one of them nice. And so it's kind of like, it's as if we looked and went, well, he's got a really good record, which he did. And look, I'm not going to say he shouldn't be doing better because he's missed some absolute sitters at times. But I wonder whether, like, is the Phil Parkinson thing similar? Is it like, well, he's got teams promoted before. Like, he'll do it again. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are, he'll do it again. Like, I just, I find it, I find it concerning that we are told that this guy had, like, incredible references, this, that and the other, and he was, like, the outstanding choice. I also find a concern and when Charlie Methven comes out and says, show me a manager who consolidated or kept Colchester mm-hmm. in the championship and I'll show you a really good manager. Now, was he talking about Geraint Williams? Because that's the guy who did that, Phil Parkinson, left before Colchester got to the championship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very good time, Chris, to, to go on our next question. We'll go straight back to you after this one. Matthew McCourt says, what... What were your thoughts on Luke Edwards' comments in the Telegraph this week regarding the owners? He said, and I quote, As for the owners, their charm offensive fell flat weeks ago. The schmoozing with fanzines and podcasts, the chummy pals act on social media, the drinking in local pubs and working men's clubs, all that has come to an end because Stuart Donald and Charlie Methvin made so many bold promises and pledges they failed to keep. They talked a good game and failed to back it up. They are as unpopular as the manager and know it. They have spent more time talking about potential takeovers and investment than they have about what is happening on the pitch. They are now seen as chances, in it to make quick profit, who are now lumbered with a huge wage bill and no results to justify it. That's the end of the quote. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> really it. And yeah, and that is that is the um, uh, the actual quote, sort of paraphrased. Has he got a good lawyer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I read I read that article. He, he also said people have to trust Parkinson. He has turned clubs like something around before. He has proven himself adept in a crisis give him some time let him manage give him a chance he needs time mm-hmm. I think if you read that article back he's kind of like just made a lot of bullet points and then like knocked out a, like a thousand words yeah. Yeah. It felt he, never, he never comes to together, watch Sunderland uh, I'm not saying some of the things he said there are like aren't true but I just thought that whole article was like the only positive was that Sunderland actually got some coverage in the national media mm-hmm. by a Newcastle United fan who never comes to watch Sunderland no, it's it's a very um, uh, it is a very. The, the, there's a word to describe how that was written. I'm not quite sure how to articulate it, but it was it was something. I think you know. Yeah, I mean, does like he have we, a good lawyer? That's a that's a, fair, a, a very fair question because that's any, a very. I don't think there's anything dodgy there. You know, it's it's like opinion and yeah, it's, it's, it's not defamation. The, the question was, what did we make? I mean, this probably won't surprise anyone that I'm seeing it, but I I think he's closer to the bone than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to that, I think the proof's in the pudding. Like, look at look at last season, like, um, whatever might have been going on behind the scenes or whatever, you did get a feeling that everyone was pulling together. You got, like, we had, like, like let's be fair, we had some, like, pretty impressive, like, marketing campaigns and marketing strategies and stuff like that. Now, where's that been this season? What, why, what's happened? Has, have people lost interest? Is, like, I don't know, the, the counter-argument would be, well, you shouldn't have to entice people to come and watch the football team play, but actually you do like that's that's how marketing works like that's 
that 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 is literally that's why clubs have got Twitter accounts and whatever else and that like they want to get people to come and watch a game and when things are going badly especially that's what you need now to me from the outside looking in it seems to me like there's a complete lack of direction there like I, I think the part in the article about seeing talking more about investment and whatever else than what's going on on the pitch is is spot on quite frankly like I mean Stuart Donald went on the radio after um after the investment takeover loan whatever the hell came out to talk about that and then the bit about what was going on on the pitch he said oh well the start hasn't been that bad we've got a few games in hand it was like like he's either just trying to dress it up and stay positive or he hasn't actually watched because <laughs> the start has been dreadful no. like it for a club this size and for the resources that we have which they were more than happy to tell us we had mind you the, the start has been dreadful and then at the end of the day look last season for the vast majority of the season, things were going well on the pitch. People don't really care about what's going on off the off the pitch if you're getting the results. Now what they're seeing is when you don't get the results, that's when that's when you open yourself up mm-hmm. to people saying, well, hang on, what's going on here? What's going on there? And look, I, I don't know. Like, like we, we keep talking about January. We keep saying they're going to fix it then. To me, the, it's it's too easy just to be like, oh, we're going to spend a bit of money in January. We did that last January. They need to put mm-hmm. some sort of structure in place and they need to get it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you it, said earlier, we've spent before and every time we've spent, I agree, we've gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, look, at, look at Luton and Charlton last year. Charlton were in absolute turmoil. So nobody can say, mind, that we were in a worse position than them. They were in absolute turmoil. They got promoted and they, they barely spent a penny. Luton likewise. And... That is not because they struck lucky on players. That was because they knew what they wanted. They had an idea of it. They didn't They didn't faff around until the last day of the deadline and spent far too much money on people. And they went out and got it. Like I just, It just looks to me from the outside looking in, you just feel like there's... Last year, there was, an, there was a re-engagement. Um, whatever the motive behind it, people can argue about that, but they got people back on side. There were, there were a hell of a lot of people who said last year... This is the most I've enjoyed watching us in years, despite the fact the standard of football was demonstrably worse than what we've watched, because you felt like it was your club again. Like that's what they said when they came in. They were like, "We're custodians of this football club." So okay, great. Like you've got people back on side. What happened over the summer? Because we were told takeover talk and that wouldn't have an impact. I would argue that it almost certainly has had an impact. Like, look, I think when people say like it won't have an impact, they, they know that it probably is going exactly. You know yeah, I mean? it's as if like going, oh, don't and worry I, about that. And I think so. Also, hopping back to you know, like initiatives and stuff, I think whatever they came out with now, they'd get roundly like, ra- like roundly sort of like, I, I, like see, negative. I, I disagree of. because, like, to me, like, look. Everyone knows like I'm I'm a detractor of the current owners, but when I saw Well not everyone does, but like well, in, your okay, life, anyone, in your life they do. Well yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyone anyone who cares about me, so all five people know that um that I'm a detractor. but like when I saw like the stuff about what they're gonna do over Christmas and that, I was like, Yeah, that's great, that's what they should be doing. Like mm. this they came in on they were like, What we're gonna do is we're gonna reconnect the community, we're the custodians and that. Great, like Okay, as long as it's not all just hot air, which to be fair, last last year they did do things that got people back on side. That's what the club needs. Like I know what you're saying. Like when we, say, I think they should just shut up for a while. To be honest with you, you right. know, like and, yeah. I, and and like I was okay, maybe them too personally. I, I don't have a problem with that. But where, <clears throat> yeah. where's the marketing from the club? Like for example, Tony Davison left the club a month and a half ago. Has <clears throat> has he been replaced? Because we don't have a new director there. So what what's going on there? Who's running that side of things now? Now when he yeah, came, like Mark Mosley left as well, didn't he? But exactly, it's, it's, and, it's and the the problem is like like those things those things really really do matter. Those like we might not when when things are going well on the pitch, nobody cares about anything else. And like I say, I'm doing exactly what I've just said happens. When things are going bad, you start looking under the bonnet and think, well, what's going on? Those things do matter. It's a morale thing. It's a it's an ethos around the club. And at the minute the the ether, it, honestly, it looks like two years ago. It does look like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And oh, it does. I mean, except there's there's anger and, and not apathy. Apathy is the next stage, isn't it? You know, like that's when the thing. at least when people were getting booed off, I was thinking, well, people are angry about it. They want to do okay. something, but like under, I remember having a meeting with Coleman, and he was like saying, actually, I wouldn't mind if people were giving us loads of grief, but people have almost accepted the situation yeah. that we're mm-hmm. yeah. that we're going, which is the next thing. But, but I, I actually. Obviously, with all this takeover investment loan, whatever, which has been going on since like February, that's obviously been a massive, been a massive cloud over it. And I think 
and I think they should just, I don't think they should have done the recent stuff. I don't think they should have done the steel st stuff. I think they should just like start concentrating on what's happening on the pitch yeah. mm -hmm. and like, and like run the, and like run the club without, without all of the sort of like publicity, let the manager get on with it. If they don't like the manager, sack them, you know, which did seem insane a couple of weeks ago, but now you're like, well, you know, although if you look at his record in the league, it's, it's, if you take the cup games out of it, it's not half as bad, but it's still rubbish. The, you know? the problem is, I, I, I actually agree with you about what you're saying about like doing the Steels Club and that, because the problem is when Stuart Doyle comes out and says something, when Charlie Methwin comes out and says something, more often than not lately, they're saying diametrically opposed things. Like this, they, they don't appear to be on the same page. Like, Charlie told us all it was never a takeover. Then Stuart went on the radio and said, oh, the way a takeover talks. I said, well, like, you can... If we were winning games, people probably wouldn't care that much. Mm. But now it becomes a well. Hang on, we're not winning games. So, th is there some? Is the reason a little bit deeper than the players and the mm. manager sort of thing? And when when those two aren't on the same page, you're like, well, what on earth's going on here? Yeah, there's no there's no continuity, and I, and I think also when they do do, you know, it's it obviously has it's been good for the fanzines that that have been communicating. But I would say from a club point of view. They need to say less. They need to be briefed more. They need to think about their answers more. Um, and there's sometimes like less is more, you know. And, yeah. I, and I just, I just think they need to shut up for a while and do the talking like on the pitch or mm -hmm. or with incoming players, and then say like, this is the way we're running the club instead of having to explain everything. Well, you know, Ellis Short did two interviews in ten years. You know, Charlie does like two a morning. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing as well. Like when when the sack Ross. Donald ran straight to BBC Newcastle to like to talk about it, and to me, it looks like he's he's terrified that people are going to dislike him for a decision that he's made. Now, the fact of the matter is, if you run a football club, but if you run a football club as high profile as this one, you aren't going to please a hundred percent of people. Give no. up, like either... there's different ways to give that information. <coughs> of course, out as well, there is. Yeah, they, like they, of course they, could, they could release a carefully prepared. Uh, prepared statement that's, through, that's through their own through their own media instead of like talking non-stop for an hour that's and a half thing. that's that's for us to do isn't Obviously, it? I'm, exactly. I'm, a, I'm a Twitter account as well I think that was uh, it's good that you interact with the supporters but he's leaving himself wide open having a having a Twitter account and oh, things yeah. like that you know he, what I mean he is a, and the problem is like I'm sorry but him like Re responding to fans at one o'clock in the morning doesn't look good for anyone. Mm. Like it, it doesn't. It's not. It's not sufficiently professional mm. in a club of this size. Like the issue I'd... with social media. Sorry, Chris. The issue That's with right. social media, um, with the likes of Twitter, is that as you say there, because what what you just said there, like it, it's it's a very it's a very very um uh, sort of like poignant thing to, to to point out. If he's responding to fans at one in the morning, if he's getting wound up at people on social media, what? that is showing us inadvertently for him is like a window into his psyche of how he's mm. taking this. Yep. Mm. If he is mm. online at one in the morning having a having a go back at fans who are having a go at him, justified or not, what that tells us is that the owner is rattled by what's going on. I think it's also like it, it, it's it's opened himself up to criticism because mm -hmm. like people in the past people were like, oh well they're not they don't read Twitter, the club don't care, there's no obviously but having this interaction, people kicking off on Twitter know that like it's probably been read by someone so the yeah. same more you know yep. yeah because people it, like, think the, the, the first time heard, yeah. i met yeah. them i was like well you need to close down all your social media you know and it's taken them a year to to do it and, and it, it didn't end it didn't end tidily did it you know but the, the problem is as well and I, I don't think i'm speaking out of term here is the moment when he has taken his social media down have always coincided with something going wrong like he took, he first took took off from Twitter because he was asked where ten million of the club's money had gone, and he said, "We'll get back in a couple of weeks." And he departed. They then the news of that Mark Campbell takeover falling through broke, broke, and he he went then, and then this time it was the the fact that it was no longer a takeover; it was investment. Or let's be honest, it was a loan, and he went then, and it's like, well, look, if you're gonna. Because I think he said, I've got thick skin, I can take it. Like, well, the evidence suggests that he can't. Now, I don't think, I agree, Martin, I don't think he should be on there in the first place because as soon as anything goes slightly wrong, you're going to get this. And the problem we seem to have is like what you said there, Alex, like mm -hmm. his way of thinking is kind of, he he gets affronted by it. He, he gets upset by it. Now, at, at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't know any football club of this sort of stature where, 
where you're not going to get dissenters kind of thing. Mm. Like when he signed Will Grigg, you you had probably the vast majority of people who were happy he'd done it. And he, he has said himself that, oh, well, the vast majority of Southern fans would be happy. But there will, there will have been people who were saying, well, that's a ridiculous amount of money. Why have you gone and done that? You're not going to keep everyone yeah. happy all of the time. Mm -hmm. And the club and him personally, I would wager, would be a lot better off if they just focused on running it in what, in what I think is probably termed a professional manner. There's a reason other clubs don't, other chairmen don't run the football clubs like this. Exactly. I mean, other people, everyone says, oh, I don't look at this, and I don't look at Facebook and Instagram, but they obviously people do, yeah. or they have people who do if for them. If you have them. to say that, then but, you but clearly it, do. Exactly. But I think, I think they're spending too much time and energy and then only getting negative energy back when things aren't going well at the club. So they should just kind of put that, that all to one side and then concentrate on on turning it around instead of instead of worrying about what people say about them. Because whatever you do in life, you know, if you're in the public eye, there's going to be people out there slagging you off. You know, whether you're a musician or an actor or a footballer, and you've like really, it's your job to ignore to ignore that and do the job at the best of your ability. If you're spending too much time sort of getting negative vibes off social media, then it can't be <clears throat> it can't be helping things on the pitch, and obviously it isn't. But when when they sacked Ross. At around the same time that was happening, or just before, Stuart Donald was on Twitter replying to fans, and mm. it's like like that exact afternoon he was replying to fans, and it's like they said that's what they were going to do, you know, yeah. like with the whole sort of plan to start with, and that's and that's obviously great during a honeymoon period, but like the disadvantages of saying you're going to do that when things start going to shit, yeah. Then, this is the thing, and, and it has it has an impact on like it'll have an impact on your employees. Like, look, I. I don't know Jack Ross's views on it, but if he if he knew Stuart Donald was doing that while while he was getting mm -hmm. sacked or he was about to get sacked, he's probably thinking, "Well, hang on, have you not right. got bigger priorities mm -hmm. to be dealing with?" And well, that's it. The players will be sending them sending each other screenshots of what Stuart Donald has been saying on Twitter, well, this is talking thing, about it in yeah. the dressing room in the morning when they're getting ready for yeah. training, thinking, "Jesus Christ, what's Boss doing now?" Yeah, you know, exactly. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, and look, I'm not. <laughs> I I think. I think whenever things are going bad in football, you always, people always say who's to blame. Often it is like a, a multitude of people. It's not just the players. It's not just the managers. It's not just the owners. It's not just whomever else. It is a collective thing. And I think collectively, for whatever reason, what's going on at this football club at the minute just isn't good enough from the top to the bottom. Yeah. I think maybe just to bring this, because we're going we're gonna to finish here, I think, just about. But to bring that to a close, I think the issue ultimately that we have is that in the honeymoon period, like you say, it's a very nice thing to have. It's a very novel concept to have the owners so engaged when we were so disengaged by the owners in the, in the hierarchy for so long. So to be reconnected so strongly was refreshing. You know, it was, it was revitalising for the Sunderland fans. But I think maybe we could even say as well, in our, in our sort of haste, we neglected to think, what if this goes horribly wrong? Mm. What will happen when Stuart and Charlie aren't flavour of the month anymore, which was always bound to happen at some point, I think. You know, it was never going to be sunny, sunshine. It was and based on forever. having to go up last year. Yeah, and like, and like that we was didn't. a thing, wasn't it? And then, like, and then instead of sort of like bouncing back from that one and saying, this is what we need to do, they were still caught up in the takeover mm -hmm. yeah. business yeah. because you, like, you would be anyway. Of course you know, like would, any, any, and. It's not their fault that you know. But the, the Mark Campbell is, is one wasn't you know didn't go through, and then mm -hmm. and then the second one you know obviously there was lots of different people interested as like as as we all know you know. The, I think the problem is that look they've admitted themselves like at the at the club there's a pretty much like a skeleton staff like there isn't like I've just talked about Tony Davison there to my analogy hasn't been replaced I could be wrong but no he hasn't I think the thing with Davison and, and Mark was that most of their work's based around selling the boxes yeah. for the start of the season and this is kind of like a quiet period so I think they've looked at, I'm not saying it's right by the way no, but no, I, think, no. I think they've looked at it mm -hmm. and thought actually we can probably get away without employing somebody in that position for four months until we start selling yeah. mm -hmm. boxes for next year and like let's face it if they were trying to sell boxes for next year who the hell would want to oh. buy one of them no, no. what, what my point was going to be like going back to what you said about the takeover though is that if if the people who own the club are wrapped up in a takeover which look it, it's going to take up a lot of their time trying to sell a business mm. if there isn't someone in the level just below them to oversee the day to day that's where you see the kind of drift sort of thing so they they can't be in with all the will in the world however many hours they want to work a week they can't be in two places at, at once and like I think what you said before Martin was spot on like they we were told no don't worry about it it's not going to make a difference well actually that's probably a bit of a red flag 
because why why are you saying because nobody really said is 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 this going to make a difference kind of mm-hmm. thing they just came out and said it and it's like well if you've got someone who's running the day-to-day anyway like it, you probably won't have as marked an impact but like I say, I'll go back to what I said at the start. I think you look at the lack of marketing around the club at the minute, and to me, that suggests that it very much came from the top down last year, and it no longer is. And I just think, like I say, get sack as many managers as well, like, get as many new players in in January, but I think fundamentally the club needs, and Ross said it, journalists, who, to be fair, probably close to Ross, have said it, they need, they need to get a structure in place that's like befitting a club of this size. Mm-hmm. Would you would you kind of go for a director of football model? And I, truthfully, under the current regime, I would be reluctant just because, to my mind, for Stuart Donald to come out and say Richard Hill saved this football club is a massive alarm bell because I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what qualities or qualifications he had to get the role he has. Which we were told, by the way, that he would have no first team involvement when he did arrive, which appears not to be the case. Um, so I don't know that a director of football would fix things at the minute. Certainly not if it's a rushed decision. If it's something that they've been thinking about for a while and they've got the guy, possibly. Just in terms of recruitment in this, in, this, in terms in this of recruitment, well, in terms window. of recruitment, I think they need they certainly need to replace the current setup because it it just it it isn't working. Like there there are we're seeing players who like. A, like that Fossey who we mentioned earlier, who were signing for clubs in this league, who we we all we can all agree would demonstrably improve us yeah. now if if the people in charge of our recruitment aren't capable of seeing those sorts of things then i i am i i am concerned and i think yeah like i mean mark campbell i think we all know that the money wasn't there or didn't appear to be there for, and uh, that's presumably why that one fell through but he did have a guy with him he was a director of football and they did actually have they had people who they targeted. Now, it's very easy to say that and assume that they would have gone well, but at least they did seem to have a plan with regards to that. Whereas, like I said earlier, I think with us, it does feel like who is available. So in that sense, I mean, potentially, yes, but we would have, I think you would have to rip up the current recruitment team and start again, truthfully. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it today. Really, really sort of like very profound bit of dialogue there from everyone involved so we've just we always finished as we do just by predicting the next game now it's the last thing i want to think about really because you know we're back we're back we're back off to gillingham you know the the, the team that just knocked us out the first round of the fa cup so uh we'll just go around the table very quickly give us the score and give us who you think the goal scorers will be uh you don't have to say it if so you know if you want to say who gillingham's goal scorers are and you're more than not going to say that, of course i'd be struggling on that. Uh, be known i was gonna say no. right now well, tom eaves is gone so i mean you know i, I don't know who else you've got but anyway we'll go to you first of all Sean uh, I think Gillingham will win 2-1 right. right who do you think who's Alec old scorer going to be hmm. it's going to bounce off someone's bum isn't it <laughs> what more yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> why not Chris how about you um, I think we'll get a point which, it, it sounds bad that that makes it sound like I'm being optimistic it, it actually um, does like. I'll say 1-1 one, one, McGeady yeah fair enough I was going to go for a draw, but nil-nil, because I feel like a clean sheet would be progress. Clean sheet would, and, yeah. Um, and I can't see... I don't, know if, I don't know who's got goals in them in the minute. Um, but like you say, 1-1 one, one would... Sorry, nil-nil or 1-1 one, one would mm-hmm. actually be... Um, would we even settle for that now? Is that how thick? Is that how bad things I think have become? The, per- the performance. We is... need to bottom out, but yeah, like, we need I've been thinking that yeah. for like several years. <laughs> well, <laughs> we need to get away from somewhere because it's, it's just getting really yeah. dire now, isn't it? Let, let me just let me just very quickly Google Jillingham's team before I give you my prediction. Uh, let's see. Google. Uh, He's totally prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> I am Jillingham FC. This is all just like a. F- a, a, an act of front I actually know their goal scores <laughs> off by heart because we're this is where they haven't updated the Wikipedia for months and he's ah, I know, and, I, and, and I give you like Tom Eaves don't I like yeah uh, Tony got... Cascarino <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah I think um, I think it'll be 1-0 down at half time uh, Brandon Hanlon will score we'll get a work to do emoji and then the bicep you know you know how that goes uh, full time uh, we've lost 2-0 Alex Jacobiak on loan from Watford um, number 23 who's Scottish he's going to get 
get their second goal, finish 2-1. Um, You're going to have to stick a, a bit on this now. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. You're going to get some carry on to you. Honestly, right. That's, I bet that's not even like a bad guess, to be honest. Like, um, But anyway, yeah, I just think we're going to lose 2-1 and I think it's going to be Mingan again because that's how I feel right now. So anyway, thank you um, very much once again to Sunderland University for letting us um, uh, record our podcast in your studio. Make sure... Uh, you get the latest Rooker Report podcast as soon as they're released. Remember to subscribe on iTunes whenever you listen and stay up to date with the panel who have joined us today. Um, uh, please head over to YouTube and subscribe to SFC Fan TV to see more work from Sean, so more of God's work from Sean Middleton Co. after the match. Um, uh, interviewing the, 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 the irate contingent of Sunderland fans who grow in their numbers every week. You can also hear from Wise Men Say podcasts every Monday and Thursday. And finally, Love Supreme. Content is available in print and online for merchandise. Away day travel and top quality pre-match. Bait is all there if you pop in the Roker End Cafe at a Love Supreme HQ so thank you very much Martin for coming in no problem thank you yeah, you're very welcome thank you Chris thank you enjoyed it Aye, and thank you Sean cheers me thank you Aye, so um, uh, here's hoping that things don't become completely unbearable uh, you know I'm, I'm not particularly optimistic and I don't think anybody else in this room is so thank you very much and good night the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.